1: Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist?
2: Who got the assist? Hello, so welcome to one of our summer specials, a set of podcasts recorded in the summer break prior to the 2021-22 season. These podcasts delve deep and deep dive into an individual subject that influences FPL, The idea being to give you listeners a new perspective on the game you'll know and love and maybe, just maybe, help you with your management for either the upcoming season or whenever you're listening to this, whatever time in the future you're in. There may be a tad longer than our usual fare, but aided and abetted by some brilliant guests we're hoping they'll be fascinating and rewarding to listen to if you do choose to put us in your ears. We've recorded podcasts on behavioural science, analytics and fandom and FPL for this mini-series. Last week it was the behavioural science pod, this week it's fandom and FPL. So we are who got the assist. You can find us on Twitter at fpl Anthony at FPL Stag, and also on Instagram, WGTA.FPL. Make sure to give us a follow on those channels, subscribe to our podcast, and whatever source you use to get your podcast from. And if you enjoyed this, or indeed have enjoyed anything we've done over the past five years and haven't gotten around to it yet, please give us a five star review whenever you listen to these, as it's hugely appreciated and helps spread the word of the podcasts This is the Fandom in FPL one. And as such, we're joined by two fantastic guests who are no stranger to the wca field of influence and also avid yet shall we say more clear-eyed fans of their particular clubs first up it's the goat herself Lucy Hynett, known for carefully parallel parking her seasons in the order that is in ridiculously high overall ranks as well as being a huge Southampton fan so much so that she's regularly deluged, especially at this time of the season to pass comment on her beloved saints including writing articles tweets and also being harangued to come on podcasts so that's at Lucy Hynett. welcome Lucy
1: Thanks for having me on. I'm glad that I can do it in uh, spoken form rather than the many articles I'm asked to do, which I um, politely turned down. Um, and I look forward to sharing the woes of being a Southampton fan.
2: <laughs> and also this week, it's our beloved Adam Pritchard, a.k.a. at 35who, a man who loves Arsenal as much as he loves his puns and wordplay. He's a Planet FPL's Arsenal correspondent and fun fact: Last time he was on, someone asked how much we paid to get Richard Ayoade on the podcast. Welcome back, Adam.
3: (laughs) Thanks for having me back. That might be the greatest compliment I've ever received,
0: which probably says more about my personality than uh, than anything else, but uh, (laughs) glad to be back. (laughs) Thanks to both Lucy and Adam for joining us. It's great to have both back again for this summer special pod. So only a select few have the chance to play football at the highest level, and even they eventually have to hang up their boots and find the need to interact with football in a different way. So the concept of football is, of course, intertwined with the idea of fandom, and it applies to everyone for differing reasons and to differing degrees. Of course, this means that there's an interplay between fandom and the game adjunct to the Premier League football, which is FPL. But how does that play out? Does it affect FPL management decisions? Does it confer an advantage? We'll chew over these questions and much more in this pod.
2: Yep, should be an interesting one. And I guess as Anthony was alluding to, that emotional connection between a fan and their team is definitely rubs up against the more perhaps practical connection between FPL manager and their FPL team. And that kind of creates an interesting dynamic for some. Um, and I guess a good kind of starting point here is kind of thinking about how FPL interacts with that sense of being a fan. And uh, you know, Lucy as a self-handsome fan um, who is very, very good at FPL. How does it kind of go together for you?
1: It's quite a challenging one, um, in the sense that my experience of Southampton isn't entirely a positive one. Um, in fact, it's it's almost wholly negative. Um, so that has an impact on how I play the game to a certain degree. It also means that my advice is somewhat more cynical than perhaps a a neutral might be when it comes to Saints. And I've also had that weird period where you don't have your own team in the league, so you don't have them in FPL. So you have that kind of strange detachment, actually, from not having kind of skin in the game, so to speak. Um, So I don't know if you want me to carry on whining about Saints, but that's how it is, really. I have seen them drop down to the third tier and look like they weren't ever going to come back again. So in that sense, you'd think I should be positive. But just when you start to think that they're any good, they inevitably let you down. It's
0: definitely a tough cross to carry. And I guess part of that, Lucy, is that you have to bear seeing Theo Walcott. And that's something that at one point Adam Pritchard had to bear as well as an Arsenal fan. So Adam, how how do you find it is as an Arsenal fan?
3: You say bear as if it's if it's a bad thing. I think he scored like over 100 goals for Arsenal or something like that. He's, he, he did okay. But yeah, um, I think sort of similarly to Lucy, I often find myself being overly cynical and almost trying to go the other way because I think there's at least... For me, there's a worry that people will think, oh, he's just saying X player is good because he's an Arsenal fan. So I think I tend to be overly cautious. And it happened quite a few times last season. And um, I've also been burnt quite a few times by backing an Arsenal player, uh, Kof, Alex Awobi cough, thinking that uh, they turn out to be half decent and then they just do absolutely nothing. So, yeah, I, I definitely fall on the cynical side of things, I think.
2: I feel like we've ended up with two very cynical fans. But at the same time, I think that's actually quite a good thing because I guess, you know, if you think about the different sort of fans you see out there, um, you know, you've got very passionate fans. That's P-A-S-H-U-N, who are the kind of people who have free of their own players no matter what. Um, and it can work. There are a few kind of good examples of this. So Ben Crabtree, the ultimate sort of availability heuristic example. No Liverpool in the year that he won. Obviously, that was one of those years where you could do that and get away with it. I'm sure he hasn't done very well since. And, you know, the likes of our mate Aaron Boyle, who never puts a Spurs player in, because he is, well, such a big Arsenal fan. I admire that, but I can never get on board with it. And, you know, Nick and I, when we first started WTA, we were kind of, obviously I'm an Arsenal fan, Nick's a Spurs fan, um, but like, I never really was a frothing at the mouth sort of fan. And Nick was always just like, oh, you know, we're non-tribal, which perhaps sort of reflects the genial sort of person we are, I think. And I guess that's that sort of classic question that James from Planet FPL posed me um, when we did that mashup a couple of years back. He asked, you know, would you rather win FPL or Arsenal win the league? And for me, it's winning FPL all day long. Like, I think maybe I'm perhaps more of a follower these days. And um, I guess maybe it's been moderated as well by being part of FPL in terms of content creation for so long. But there's something about suspending my disbelief and giving that over to support. I just can't quite do nowadays as much as I used to. As much as I'd love to be able to do that, I can still, I still look at it sometimes. And uh, my FPL brain is still thinking a lot when I'm watching our games, um, especially if I've got our players. So that can be a bit difficult, I think. And Anthony, uh, man, nice a nicer fan by way of Roy Keane, um, Cork's most famous son. Any impact for you, fan-wise? I haven't really picked it up too much, really, during the time we've been podcasting
0: together. Yeah, I think that's pretty much a, a correct way to put it. So, like, I don't have a family, geographic, emotional link worth noting to Manchester or Manchester United. So it is really that Roy Keane connection that probably brought me into being a Man United fan as a kid because just you would find that everything in sport was kind of seen through a Roy Keane prism in Cork and even in Ireland generally, At you know, that kind of early 2000s time. So it, for me... Really, United, the team that I grew to like, were the team in my childhood, which would be kind of broadly 04, 05 to 2010, 2011, is what I would kind of say that is. And I wouldn't have had much access to watch United even at that point. And so it, it, it was really about names and personalities and kind of just the team that I grew to like. So you have your Rooney, Ronaldo, you have the few Class of 92 members that stayed on to retirement, and then the likes of Park and Oli Gunnar Soskar and Michael Carrick. And this is something I've discussed before, so I won't bore long time listeners, but I definitely found that my interest in Man United cooled as that Ferguson team retired and moved away and just finished up their careers at United. And so I was disproportionately affected by the retirement of Michael Carrick because it was kind of the last link to that United team that I'd grown up supporting. And so I've actually found only in the last few years kind of in a way that I didn't expect with Ole Gunnar coming back in charge of the club, with youth being given a chance, having an ins- extremely likeable and inspiring player like Marcus Rashford in the side, having a cult hero come in, like Bruno, who was the type of player I don't think United had really in my time because he's really an heir to Cantona in many ways and I, I don't remember Eric Cantona playing football. So in that sense, the club has returned to something of the identity that I kind of grew up loving and the fact that there's no silverware at the club isn't something that really bothers me. Uh, I'm quite happy to stick with and would do um, it's much more enjoyable than it was under Moyes or Van Halen Mourinho where there were trophies and I'm not too interested in bringing in any big names just to have the satisfaction of having Ole there and waiting for the project to bear some fruit at some point and that'll be all the sweeter which I guess does tell you that I'm not you know, the classic fan that just wants results at all costs and a bit like you Tom when you talk about that would you rather win FPL or would you rather United win the league I'd rather win FPL um, putting it truthfully um, but yes, I do look to United's you know results. I do watch their matches probably more than I watch other big six matches, but not tribal by any means.
1: Am I the dissenting voice that would rather my team won the league?
2: Absolutely. I was about
3: to for me, scene. I think... I, th- I think for me, this, both are about as likely, i.e. never going to
0: happen. We're trying to a Saints fan. <laughs> yeah, 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 I was about to say that you're probably the only one person who's more likely to win FPL than have their team win the league of all of us Lucy. <laughs>
1: you always want when you can't have (laughs) Um, no I I just um, I guess it's slightly different for me in the sense that my dad and my brother are big Saints fans we were season ticket holders together so there's a bit more of that kind of like traditional kind of engagement with club so I guess that's probably the source of my position on it I'm also probably partly more cynical because of that having kind of sat through championship games watching my team get relegated So, yeah, I'm just slightly more kind of club focused than perhaps you guys are. And also I've had that kind of journey of watching a lot of live football in the lower leagues where probably no one else actually cared what was going on. So, yeah, I think that probably has an impact.
2: Yeah, it becomes a lot more, I guess, like your familiarity with the club is so much more kind of physical and geographically, geographically proximal. Whereas Anthony is obviously one example. You've got, you know, people like, you know, the Chinese fans of this club or the Indian fans of this club who they may not even share a nationality of the person who's the fan. And of course, you've got, you know, the great examples of like Son Her Min, all of South Korea watching every Spurs game. When I was in Japan a few years ago, Southampton were on actually because of Maya Yoshida, like just because um, he's a Japanese player. So you definitely can get kind of different layers of fandom um, out there. Um, And I think kind of, You do often find as well that a lot of people can't quite disentangle their fandom from their FPL, can they? Um, I mean, Adam, do you see examples of this where people, I mentioned a couple earlier, um, in the Arsenal fan base just in general? I mean, you obviously speak to the Planet FPL correspondents a lot. Is there anybody who is just bringing in their own players no matter what or always pushing their own players' agenda?
3: This is going to, it might come across a bit harsh, but I don't mean it this way. There there tends to be of the the supporters, I find, of the non big six clubs or the clubs that aren't traditionally on TV as much. It seems to me as if they feel an extra need to justify, from an FPL perspective, bringing their players in. And I think um, I think they, from my experience, they seem to take a much more of a visceral pride. If like, like if a Burnley fan, if uh, Ashley Barnes scores a hat-trick, I think they seem to take pride in both the player doing that and the FPL returns that brings other people. Um, I don't know if that's just something I've noticed, but that it doesn't seem to be as uh, it doesn't seem to be the same in um, in the big six sides because there's just more generally there's more coverage. They tend to have more fans. There's more written about them. There's more spoken about them on podcasts like this. I guess
0: that's fair enough. I think it does, and maybe you kind of come into the broader point that I feel like when. Fans of non-top six clubs have to speak. You know, they're expect or speak from an FPL perspective. They are expected to make some recommendations, and so it's very tough for them. You know, they'll probably try to give you a defender, a midfielder, and an attacker, and they 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 don't want to just say, "Do you know what our team has?" Maybe one good player, or in you know five or six teams the league every year can pretty much turn around and say, "Do you know what we have no real FPL prospects," and that's just it. But no fan is going to really do that to their club, are they?
1: I'm just going to put this out there there are no real Southampton FBL prospects this season. They've been (laughs) completely priced out of it. Just forget it. Don't try it. The only way I could see it happening is if we somehow reverted to the first half of last season, which isn't going to happen. So I I am quite willing to say, don't touch Southampton players. What about the budget
0: enabler, Michael Obafemi, 4.5?
1: There's a good chance he goes out on loan, so you you crack on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Something
3: interesting in that, though, that like, Look, make no bones about it. I think Lucy probably knows more about Southampton than I do about Arsenal, and I think people should trust her opinion on Southampton more than they trust my opinion on Arsenal. And I think I certainly put an extra weight in the opinion of fans whose teams I don't see as much, just because they're not on TV. That tends to be um, sort of the bottom half, or air quotes, not the big six sides.
2: Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. It's like there's a sliding scale of knowledge. Uh, when it comes to teams and players, and uh, like for a lot of teams and players, it's kind of my knowledge is broad and shallow, except where you've got kind of FPL sort of concern when something you, you really know a lot about a player or you really know a lot about a certain team. And of course, that tends to be the big six. Um, and I tend to want more information and trust fans more if I know less about a team. Normally, it's a springboard, actually, for me to do some research rather than just obviously taking it as red. I do trust that there's no Southampton assets in the game this year, though. Um, but I trust fans slightly less if I know a bit more about the team um, as a whole. And I feel more confident in what I know, especially if the team is one of those kind of top six teams. Like, you know, you don't need to tell me that Kevin De is a fantastic player, FPL, City, I already know that. You know, So it, it can definitely kind of be that sort of sliding scale of interest that I have perhaps and what fans have to say. Not that not the people aren't nice, um, but I'm sure that I'm going to have the same depth of knowledge to some extent than, than they already have. Um, so I guess we've already kind of touched on this. And I think what was, I was really interested by the point that I think you've both kind of made that you wouldn't, perhaps say a player is good because they're a player f- from your club in the same way that you perhaps would otherwise. So you kind of dilute your advice or moderate your advice because you don't want people kind of accusing you of liking a player just because he's a player from your club. They don't want you to go, Oh, she's a Southampton fan. of course she'd say Danny Ings is the person to, uh, to bring in. I mean, Lucy, Adam said that about kind of moderating what he said because he wanted be not um, say he, he's saying that because he's an Arsenal fan. Do you find yourself doing that? Like just doing down the players to some extent? And I mean, does that have an impact on the advice that you give?
1: Um, yeah, it has an impact on the advice I give. It has an impact on who I actually pick. So Danny Ings, when he went on his amazing goal-scoring run last season, I didn't really touch him until he stopped scoring. So that was great. And I didn't really recommend him to anyone either. Um yeah I think there's I'm always worried about the accusation that I've done it for kind of um, biased reasons even though if you followed me for any length of time you realize that I don't have a lot of faith in these players and there's also the fact that I kind of have my own disappointment around a player when they don't perform and I kind of don't need anyone else's disappointment so I don't need them saying to me oh well, he didn't he didn't score or he got benched or, and I know it I saw it um and also like that's a I've had enough disappointment out of watching the game and seeing it without you adding your FPL pressure to me or my own FPL pressure. Um, I think that's kind of one of those things that I'm able to enjoy um, a Saints player doing well when I don't own them in FPL. It doesn't really have any impact on my enjoyment of the game. Whereas if it's the other way around um, and I own a player and it doesn't go well, that just heaps it on. Um, so that I think that's also another element in, in kind of, my position on owning St. players and advising people to buy them.
0: That's quite interesting. I would say that maybe as a United fan, I have a similar thing to that and that I'm definitely more attuned to when Man United are performing poorly and it makes me much less likely to be optimistic for even their best players. So I, in the last two seasons, for example, missed quite a lot of Bruno Fernandez points that were available mm. because I just looked at the United team as a whole and how it was performing and went... Okay, he's overperforming his XG. United aren't creating a load of chances. There doesn't seem to be anyone else who is consistently capable of scoring goals. So avoid. And, you know, obviously that hasn't been the case the whole entire time, but there were an awful lot of, there was an awful long period where Bruno seemed to be the only one generating points at United. And I dodged it because of that similar pessimism that kind of fandom brings for me in a way. So in, in that sense, the fandom isn't necessarily good for FPL for me. But Again, as I said, like, I wouldn't be so dyed in the wool that I would park my selfish FPL desires when it comes to players facing United or, indeed, like players that I might even captain against United. I don't ever remember captaining someone against Man United, um, but I'm very aware that I would do it if I felt it was the way to do it, if, if I felt it was going to be beneficial for my side. Because I, I know at the end of the day that my hopes and desires have absolutely no effect on the outcome of on a pitch in England somewhere.
3: Yeah, I think it's sort of I had a similar thing uh to you, Anthony, last season where it was a brief, very brief period um where Lacazette went on a little bit of a scoring run. He uh he got fouled for a penalty, which he took an absolutely horrendous swing and a miss shot at, scored the penalty in the North London derby. And people were sort of asking me on Twitter, Oh, should I bring in Lacazette? Should I bring in Lacazette? And My perspective was he was awful in that game from an eye test perspective. And so I said no. And I think in the next couple of games, he went on to get a couple more goals. And he was still playing like objectively badly. but He was returning points. And so I found it quite difficult to... Recommend, or in fact, I'm pretty sure I didn't recommend it to people. I told them not to buy him. I probably told I was you one team. of the
0: people actively told not to on a free hit. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think it basically
2: of <laughs> yeah. you on our Slack held you fairly responsible for that. <laughs> yeah, that was a diary week. <laughs> it was, it was, and
3: that in weirdly, it made it worse. And I suppose this is where the FPL sort of impacts my fandom because I kind of got a little bit annoyed that he was scoring and I was like, oh, why aren't you doing the thing that I know you are? because he was playing badly, but he was returning. And I, yeah, that was a, that was a difficult time for me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was very traumatic. Yeah. I mean, I guess just struck by what Anthony said there, that obviously you know, you, with United, they do tend to do um, fairly well. I mean, I remember you know, a few years ago, do you remember that year where I think Mourinho was in charge and they got like six or seven clean sheets in a row um, early on? And then suddenly you had to own a United defender, I, can't, I think Mkhitaryan got three assists in one game or something ridiculous like that. And obviously Bruno's EO at some time, sometimes just gets back spectacularly. Like if they start to do OK United, suddenly that kind of snowballs into a big ownership thing. But I guess um, Arsenal and Southampton-wise, we've been lucky, um, apart from a few isolated instances, that we haven't been kind of sat there thinking, oh, what players am I going to be bringing in for my team? I, I kind of prefer not to tribalise anyway my FPL decisions. I want to kind of keep my FPL decisions apart from, um, you know, my, my, my support. Um, but if I've got a 50-50, I will probably follow you guys. And I prefer not to go the Arsenal player for the same reason. I don't want to double down the disappointment. It is always going to be a disappointment, isn't it? We are a very single bunch on this podcast. Um, but, yeah, we've been lucky for the last few years because you know, Arsenal wise outside of Aubameyang. And a couple of situations with big Rob Holding, um, Arsenal haven't really been as required in my squad as they otherwise would be. I guess it would be a different situation, though, if your team was in the ascendancy. You know, we're quite browbeaten, and cynical fans here, as I've, as I've mentioned, Anthony aside, perhaps. But I guess if success is more of a guarantee, you might think differently. And I mean, how do you think? I mean, obviously, we're in hypothetical mode how do you think that fans of teams like a Man City fan, for example, would have the same sort of scruples that we would, or do you reckon it's just kind of, uh, is it just a more enjoyable experience? I guess I'm, I'm guessing at.
3: Again, this is coming back to me being cynical. I find it very hard to put myself in the headspace of a Man City fan. Cause I think I almost wouldn't care about FP outlift. It's like, Oh, my team's walking the lead. They got to the champions league final. I think I'd be sort of more laissez-faire with my recommendations and my, um, my sort of opinions on FPL. But yeah, I suppose there is the fundamental basics that Man City players are better than Arsenal and Southampton players, so they're easier to recommend. And I think everyone can see that someone like Kevin De Bruyne is an excellent player and uh, Ruben Diaz is a great defender. But perhaps if I say to you, oh yeah, Rob Holding, he's um, he's really improved this season. His passing has come on a lot. You're going to probably look at me a little bit more sceptically. Um, so yeah I think fundamentally just having better players who play for your side makes it easier to recommend and I can't really speak to the um, the emotional connection but certainly for for a player who's come through an Arsenal academy like a like Saka I feel quite a strong emotional connection to him so I feel I feel a little bit like he's my brother or kind of like I kind of I want Aww. him to do well and I want to <laughs> I, honestly like when he played very well for England in the Euros. I I felt. See, this is going to sound really weird. I felt quite proud, and sometimes I feel proud when he does well in um in the Premier League as well. And like when I see people bringing him in and saying, "Oh yeah, Saka's Saka's one to buy. He is uh, he's on a hot streak, scoring goals, and getting assists." I'm like, "Oh yeah, he's." Other people recognise he's doing well
0: that's definitely something i can relate to though adam and uh, you'd have definitely seen this in the slack if an irish player does anything i the tricolor flags just start rolling in from me and um, that you know there is this element of like hello hello hello, relevant we're relevant <laughs> it just kind of takes over me and that could be jeff hendrick could be matt doherty it could be someone coming off the bench and you know getting one of their early career goals like an aaron Connolly or a michael obafemi i'm just as excited no matter who it is um but maybe actually, just talking about the Man City fans and how they might be, or fans of other pop, or you know, clubs that are really consistently doing well. And I know this kind of sounds farcical with me speaking from the position that Man United came second last year, but we all know that that was from an FPL perspective quite up and down outside of Bruno. So I kind of feel like it's a weirdly isolated case compared to, let's say, Liverpool and City over the last few years, and Chelsea when they've had title run seasons in the last few years. Uh, what I can see affecting those fans from an FPL perspective is having a real hypersensitivity to all the talent in the team and where the goals might come from. So I could see those people being caught tripling up on that team far too easily and finding themselves just overexposed and getting caught on the third player. Like no matter what, even with City walking the league last year, all of us found it quite hard to keep three City players in our team. Number one, because of the expense, but number two, because you could it was quite hard to depend on three City players because you quite a, could quite easily end up with all three of them benched in any given week. And so I feel like there are, whilst it's obviously probably helpful to have a real insight into a team that's doing, doing well, from an FPL perspective, I think it can be a double-edged sword as well.
2: I think maybe FPL asks you to be a bit more objective about what you're doing. And so as I said at the beginning, it's about kind of a more practical connection between you and your players or little shirts that you've bought. I mean, Lucy, in, in the Southampton sort of community, do you find that your sort of FPL brain kicks into gear when you hear people talk about your players? Like, Is there ever a sense that you're kind of thinking objectively, I know you're talking rubbish, but subjectively, no, I love what you're saying.
1: Um, you mean in terms of kind of, like, being appreciative of, like, data and... and yeah, uh,
2: yeah, like, just being able to kind of do the thing, have your FPR manager hat on, as it were.
1: Yeah, well, I, I actually did, like, a a couple of seasons ago, did a thread on, like, our, like, opening six weeks of data and got absolutely panned by the Saints community who were like, data oh no. means nothing, what matters is goals. And I was like, okay, um, I won't be doing this again. Um, yeah, I... I am fairly outspoken on the Saints hashtag in the sense that I am, I would like to say, quite um, balanced. Where I struggle to be balanced is kind of in a kind of match scenario. So if I'm particularly if I'm at a game or if I'm watching a game, any of my live takes, just ignore them because they're going to be absolute garbage. Um, wait for me to kind of simmer down um, because yeah anything in match particularly if we're losing by a substantial number of goals which let's be honest is quite possible um no, right. I,
2: sorry, sorry.
1: how dare you
2: that's only <laughs> that's happened, happened twice had to. um
1: <laughs> 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 yeah um yeah anything live I really struggle with but yeah other than that I'd say I was fairly balanced um and for that reason people don't tend to be that that kind of um happy with me because I don't really kind of embrace the kind of more tribal aspects. That said, when it comes to England selection policy and no James Wall prowse don't get started.
2: <laughs> I mean, I, I do. I just find that really fascinating, though. Like, I often find that as well. Man. Like, look at what's going on in FPL Twitter, and then I'll see not because I follow them myself because I don't don't destroy my timeline, but you see takes from football Twitter, and you're often like, wow, hang on this player isn't any good or hang on a minute that, that's completely untrue um, and I guess it kind of speaks to the fact that maybe if like fandom is a representation of that sort of being a football fan person FPL FPLdom I think it is a very different sort of beast I think that is you looking at all these little kind of bits and pieces of data and understanding and I think maybe it is about Of the team is quite useful and that's what you can support, but with FPL, it perhaps does get to kind of the Anthony situation when you're looking at a certain player because the player is what's important, not so much what the team does. I mean, I don't know if I'm poking at this in the wrong direction, Anthony. Does that kind of make sense?
0: I do see where you're coming from. That maybe I think you're getting at more the Irishness is what makes me like try to identify individuals. Is that more specifically it? And it's a useful talent from an FPL perspective to then identify individuals within squads mm. for FPL. Mm, interesting. I'd never thought about it that way. I don't think the skill transfers because I, I think it goes back to that connection that Adam was talking about that he has with Pakai that I need to have that, you know, real interest in understanding a player to maybe have that interest that comes with a player being an Ireland international. And I just, I can't apply that same vigor or interest or there's no objectivity to it either. So it wouldn't necessarily be helpful for FPL <laughs> to um FPL players. It's just kind of a skill that is completely disconnected from um yeah, from my let's say my Irish fandom.
2: Okay. I just I just think it is it, I'm kind of trying to think about whether there is a dynamic here between the player themselves because the players who are buying into the day and the support for the club if that makes sense like if fpl is more player focused and kind of fandom is more team focused um and just kind of drawing a parallel between that and you know you being a Roy keen aficionado which is why you're a united fan it's definitely an interesting area um and on the psychology pod we spoke about kind of self-distancing as a coping mechanism to help people help fans that is um you know deal uh, with emotions throughout the season and especially if you're a fan and also an FPL manager uh, I mean Lucy do you like ring fence your fan self from your FPL manager self when you're watching when you're watching football if you're watching Southampton especially obviously if you've got some involvement in the game per se for example if you're if you captained against Southampton would you captain Southampton um, if you did that must be like a real mix of emotions I mean do you have that sort of sense of distance from F- between FPL and fandom in your head when you're watching games?
1: Um, I don't have any issue isolating FPL from um, real football in the sense that I don't feel any kind of tension when I'm watching a Saints game. I'm kind of like 100% about the Saints results. So I don't really care who scores and I don't really care who how we can seed or that. D- it doesn't really matter. Um, it doesn't really kind of figure um in terms of my enjoyment as long as Saints win really. Um, I don't have a problem captaining against us. Um, that doesn't mean that I'm willing the player to do particularly well. It's just a kind of realism thing. I think I'd rather go with the most realistic captaincy option. And if that's against my team, so be it. That doesn't mean that, you know, I particularly enjoy it when they do well. Um, but I I kind of try to isolate the kind of there's no reason to say a player will score my, my hope has no bearing on that so I don't really see the problem with that and, so you, yeah, you
0: don't do anything with your team for example like um, ensuring that you don't have defenders in your side that are playing against Southampton for
1: example no I I just try to be as objective as possible about our weaknesses which are plentiful and um if if you know that means playing players against them that I have no problem doing that um, as I say, during the game, I'm hoping that my FPL team goes down the pan and that's all, you know, uh, being irrelevant. But the fact is that we're not very good. So um, having players playing against us is probably a good idea.
2: Just want them to just imagine um, this pod being quite retweeted by lots of handsome people I don't even know. I've been like, how is this fan saying we aren't any good? What a traitor. Um, <laughs> she
0: calls herself a saint. No, she's a devil.
2: <laughs> they definitely want to do that. Again, <laughs> uh, uh, Cliff, Cliff Rich in my head there. Uh, just the devil. Um, anyway, um, Adam, uh, what do you reckon to this question? Um, obviously, um, don't have to catch an Arsenal player too often to double down on the disappointment. Do you find you ring fence your FPL self from your kind of fan self uh, when you're watching football?
3: Um, I think, in terms of a little bit like a Lucy, when I'm watching Arsenal, that's sort of what I'm focused on. I'm not really thinking about how my FPL team is doing, but I suppose maybe it's a little bit of a different situation in terms of owning and captaining players because if it's going to be, if I'm thinking, oh, I might captain someone against Arsenal, it's likely to be a high profile player of a sort of air quotes fellow big six club. And they tend to be quite cagey games just from an emotional perspective. So I almost don't want to, put myself through that because I, I think that on top of the high stakes of the game that I'm watching itself would not be too much for me, but it's just sort of not something I've ever really considered. Um, so, yeah, I think in terms of captaining play, uh, Arsenal players against sort of non-top six sides, I think I am sort of able to analyse it fairly objectively, like at the start of last season, um, although Salah outscored him the kind of general consensus was that Aubameyang was a good pick for captaincy for those first two weeks and I didn't let that put me off him. I didn't think oh it's an Arsenal player I might jinx him if I put the armband on him or, or even oh it would be too much for me to have a FPL and a fan stake in this game so I don't let that stop me but then again it's not really a... Um, and certainly, captaining against Arsenal, it's not really a situation I'm in too often. So, uh, so yeah, I, I haven't really had to experience it, to be honest.
2: Mm, yeah, definitely, um, and Anthony as well. I mean, I guess since we're FPLing most of the time, and our sense of fandom is obviously far less in depth than these guys. It is, I mean, for me, when I'm watching Arsenal, I obviously will mostly be pulling for Arsenal but sometimes just sometimes slash most of the time I am probably thinking about my FPL team more um than that especially if games are going to go back hopefully one day to being concurrent like I'd be watching the Arsenal game and my eye would be on FPL or I'd be looking at FPL unfortunately that's just just the way I'm wired now due to doing all this sort of thing I I assume the same for you
0: yeah very much so I, I definitely don't do anything to you know protect myself um from disappointment when watching United and i I would happily select players playing against Man United. And I, I pardon me, I, I sure in an ideal world, I'd love the compromise where United win and the player that I have playing against them gets returns as well. But I'm quite content to, you know, take my FPL points and run and have a result not necessarily go the way that United need it. I think maybe that would be different if I felt that United had a chance at winning the title. But pretty much all of you know the last decade that hasn't really been a problem Uh, even when United have been finishing second or were maybe the closest title challengers in a season like last year you still never really felt like it was on and so points dropped didn't necessarily mean a huge amount and whether United had Champions League football or not yeah okay yeah it mattered an awful lot but any one instance where they would drop points wouldn't necessarily be the reason why they'd miss out so I think usually I can just selfishly put my FPL team first and if there were a few weeks to go and I need, I wanted United to get results to let's say finish in the top four maybe I might find that equilibrium would shift but on a normal week no it's, it's definitely my FPL team first and I'm fairly unashamedly would say that and I know that's not you know fandom in its truest sense but it's being realistic about what it is I am an Ireland fan primarily when it comes to football and I'm, I have all the irrationality and um, rose tinted glasses on when watching Ireland games and thinking about ireland players and what's possible for ireland and i just don't have that anywhere near that same uh interest when it comes or love maybe when it comes to man united
2: yeah i think i'm the same. i've listened to these two and definitely feel kind of my sense of irrationality is completely gone i'm just a cold-hearted bastard when it comes to it all now um which is which is which is fine i mean i, I feel no shame about that and um, but equally um, you yeah, know i didn't, you can speak fluent football with anybody but I, I don't feel like I'm able to kind of come off like a fan anymore in the same way that perhaps um I used to, to some extent so fandom and FPL lads and ladies how would you summarize the impact for you uh Lucy how would you kind of put that into words after the kind of first half discussion we've had here um I think
1: mainly probably costs me points more than it gains me points in the sense that I will never believe that we're any good so that fundamentally means that I miss out on points um and that I think as much as I love the game of FPL um I don't ever have the same emotional attachment to it um as I do to to kind of watching my team and that fundamentally the thing I can't control basically is the thing that governs, the governs, how I feel about things. So that's really helpful and useful. Um, But other than that, um, I I don't think because I don't support one of the big six, I don't think it has as much bearing my relationship with um, football, being a fan um, as it might, if I was a kind of, Uh, a big six fan just because I there are more limited opportunities to integrate players anyway Mm. um even when we were doing quite well there are obviously lots of other ways to score points in the game um as so my cynicism probably isn't a massive issue um
2: at the moment until world
1: domination
0: of the Haas and Hootel takes place and
1: that yes that very likely Lucy, thing
0: you know the season that Southampton had the best early season fixtures how many Southampton players did you have in your game week one team do you remember that season where Southampton had like an unbelievable first seven or eight weeks I know it's an off the top of your head question I tripled how long ago ago was that? two seasons three seasons ago I distinctly remember being tripled up on them and it being like a complete disaster I'm um, not sure
1: I've ever tripled up on us I'm, I might have doubled up on us um yeah, don't trip up. I'm not even sure I've ever captained one of our players. That wow. seems like too high stakes. Um, but also that that also comes down to my style of play, where I would pretty much always captain a really obvious pick, and that's that's very rarely a Southampton player.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, that makes sense. Like I, I think Southampton kind of fall into that bracket, like Brighton for me, where it could just quite easily happen that I find three of their players in my squad, and that could be a disaster for me. <laughs> so it's, I interesting as a fan, it's interesting that as a fan, you're able to avoid that. And, and in a way, then maybe FPL isn't necessarily all um, negative in the way it interplays for you with fandom. Maybe in a way for me then with United, it does cost me from an FPL perspective as well, as far as I'm concerned, because it's, it kind of gets to that pessimism that I spoke about that I, I tend to miss out on points because I just tend to not necessarily believe the hype as much as others might. Maybe that's because A, with United, you've got this very odd, um, think compared to every other club where there are just so many United fans that kind of pile in so on, a, on an EO perspective I lose out because I'm just that little bit slow to buy into the United hype but um, maybe on just a more kind of fundamental level I try to spread myself out as well and that's just an issue in FPL generally that I, I'm very bad at doubling up in the right place so there's, there's kind of two strands to that that why maybe fandom doesn't necessarily benefit me from an FPL perspective. Interesting
2: and um, Adam what do you think to all this?
3: To keep it short and sweet, I think it's a um, it's a really difficult balance both from an emotional and a FPL perspective. Uh, thinking just on what Lucy said, I don't think I've ever tripled up on Arsenal, either. When you would think there would be more opportunity to, and quite more often than not, the Arsenal players I have picked have been in situations where there is either no alternative. So like on a free hit where there's very, uh, very few teams playing in in a blank game week or, or when I just want to have a bit of fun. Like I remember at the end of the end of the season, just gone. And the last week of my two, my final two transfers were to bring in Callum Chambers and Gabriel Martinelli and Martinelli didn't start. Callum Chambers ended up getting me 11 points. Um, but I just thought, oh, I just I like these players sort of as players and I think they've done quite well um recently. And so I just thought, yeah, just have a bit of fun, put them in my team. If they do badly, I'm not gonna be angry at them and I'm not really even gonna be angry in general. Um so yeah, it was it was quite fun to own them, I suppose.
2: I think that's interesting. Like I've <laughs> I will take a tiny bit more satisfaction, perhaps. Do you remember the Rob Holding amazing assist uh, for Kieran Tierney last season?
1: I do uh, remember it. It yeah, was a sweet it well, moment. That was brilliant, yeah. wasn't it? A
2: beautiful the defence open, didn't he? Uh, but no, um, obviously just sideways pass on the halfway line and Tierney did the rest and solo run. And I took a bit of satisfaction in that because it was an Arsenal player. But thinking about it, I don't think it's immeasurably more of a sense of satisfaction than if any other kind of differential in my team does well. I think what struck me hearing your kind of testimonies there is that there's a real sort of, you know, spectrum of involvement. And on one side, you've got FPL, and the other side is your team. And the involvement being the emotional involvement. And Lucy, I think you're kind of very much on the your team side of things. Obviously, you're a great FPL manager, but when it comes to kind of where you're involved emotionally, as you said earlier, my emotional attachment is with my team. It's not really with FPL. That's more of sort of a rational exercise. And I think that's kind of where you are. Adam, I think you're kind of more... Perhaps slightly towards the middle, but you're definitely still on the kind of your team side. I think the stuff about uh, feeling like sort of a brotherly affection for Saka um, really sort of, uh, it does put you there, I think. Even though I, you know, I do love the guy, but not in the same way that you love him, not in the other way that you love him. I'm sure that that's your own business, but you know what I mean? There are um, many
3: ways in which I love him.
2: Yeah, in many ways to love another man, of course. And um, Anthony, I, perhaps you are more towards FPL, um, but you still have a, a semblance of, of affection or impact. And for me, I, I feel like my emotion, my emotional attachment is is with FPL, which is a bit a bit bad because I'm not very good at it. Um, but anyway, that's a story for another day and for another podcast. But no, I think that's a really interesting way to round off this half of the pod. Um, and I'll take a short break here and move into how fan advice can help us pick our teams. Should it? Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and obviously the first half was about talking about kind of the impact of fandom on FPL. This is perhaps more about how fan advice can help us pick our teams. And the first thing I want to kind of just bring up with uh, with you guys and uh, guys and girls is the curse of knowledge, uh, which I define as knowing more about a subject than Joe Public, yet be forced to watch everybody else talk about the thing that you're very knowledgeable about fans opinion versus public opinion effectively this can be a bit of a blessing a bit of a curse you know in terms of a blessing to start off with I guess you perceive have a better understanding of the details of your team's players in terms of you know play internal workings differentials and stuff um I mean I guess Lucy you know coming to you first Do you find there's a sense of kind of satisfaction um, when people come to you asking you, you know, what's going on with with saints at the moment or being able to impart your wisdom on people? Um, Do you find that kind of helps in terms of giving your FPL advice to others, even if you feel a bit like you're a bit cynical yourself?
1: I think it really depends who's asking. Um, If it's someone that I kind of regularly engage with and kind of appreciate discussion with and they're asking me for my thoughts, then... I kind of take a bit of a compliment from that and I, I want to chat with them and see what kind of their opinions are as a neutral fan and kind of bounce ideas off them and kind of kind of I guess kind of chat things through um what I'm less on board with are the random people that don't even follow me that just randomly tag me and say is it going to be Forster or McCarthy that plays and I, I just think sometimes <laughs> expectations are far too high. I don't have a direct line to Hazenhootel's office. I don't know which goalkeeper he's going to play. And to be honest, asking me is a completely futile exercise because I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to, you know, say Forster or McCarthy. I might give you a, I'm kind of expecting blur, but I'm, I'm not going to commit more than that. So you're probably wasting your time. Um, and those are the kinds of questions that I start to go insane with mainly because I have about 30 times a weekend and I just can't quite cope. Um, I think there are generally in kind of the Twitter community as a whole, far too high expectations of what an informed fan can tell you. They might be able to tell you some kind of like formational or selection patterns or things you're not quite so clear on. You know, who are the kind of main attackers? What does your style of play what's that based on that kind of thing yep we can help you with that anything to do with specific selection issues on minor calls can't help with that and as for are we going to win probably not but I don't know it depends who the conversation is with and the expectations of what I can deliver in that conversation um as to whether I find that enjoyable experience um and I would say that kind of generally applies to other people I see them put on the spot for quite specific um issues and also those kinds of um, should I pick the player from your team or the player from this team because they don't have the same level of knowledge for those two people so asking them is probably a bad idea because they're either going to be like me and probably urge you away from them because no one wants to be scarred by the same experiences that I have um, or they're going to be like, yeah, you should pick my player because I don't really know anything about that player. Um, so yeah, I think sometimes the questions and the expectations aren't quite so realistic as they might need to be.
2: Sounds more of it. It sounds like the curse side definitely comes out more than the blessing side to some extent, depending on the interaction you're having, of course. And um, I guess um like Adam obviously we've discussed Lacazette example earlier on. There's obviously a few other examples out there, the likes of Willock, for example, having a great end of season last year. I mean, were you asked about that? And were you able to impart any knowledge that you then were able to gain satisfaction from in hindsight?
3: Um, I think I do. I fit in sort of similar lines to Lucy in that I can, I feel quite comfortable in telling people how I think Arsenal will set up and what I see from a tactical perspective and from an eye test rate of players' performance. Um, and it's sort of why I championed Joe Willock quite strongly towards the end of the season. It's not just because he was obviously an Arsenal player on loan at Newcastle, um, but I could see, okay, well, um, Graeme Jones was the uh, attacking coach who came in um, at Newcastle halfway through the season. And you could see, OK, well, there's clearly a different way he's trying to use Willock. He's kind of using some of his best attributes, his, um, his energy. He's not putting as much defensive uh, rigours and structures around the way he's playing. So I think if I feel tactically there's something that makes an Arsenal player or an Arsenal adjacent player in Willock's case, a better FPL asset. I feel quite confident in saying, oh yeah, um, they're, they're definitely one to go for. Um, I'm, I'm quite lucky in that. I, <laughs> um, I don't really think people think I'm that good at FPL. So they, they don't, well, I'm not very good. Uh, so they'd be justified in that. Um, they don't really come to me that often for kind of, uh, should I pick X or Y player? Uh I got a lot of questions around Rob Holding and whether he would start um, last season, uh, but it wasn't so much um, "is he a good option." It was more "do you think he'll play?" Um, which, for a lot of the season, the answer was yes. So it was a relatively easy, easy sort of uh, query to answer. But now I don't really get the same volume of uh, of uh, questions as as I think uh, I think Lucy does.
1: Just to clarify, I don't think they ask me because I'm a good or bad FBL player. I think they just don't know any other Saints fans, so they just just pile in.
3: <laughs> that is true, though, because there are there like Arsenal fans on Twitter are like dime a dozen. There are so many of them that you can certainly find if you don't like my opinion, which a lot of people don't. Um, you can certainly find other opinions that are going to be more amenable to your
0: own perspective. And I think maybe I could come in on this and that as a Man United fan. It's a club that everyone has an opinion on, whether they're fans or not. And United are... There's a bit of a, a, a self self continuing cycle with Man United, and that you know they're the most focused team in the media. So therefore, people are more exposed to them when they play matches. Their matches are over analyzed. Everyone has the same exposure to them, and so it kind of keeps going on. And so, unless you're a United fan who watches ninety minutes week in week out, which I'm not, I will be drawn towards big games or games that are important to me from an FPL perspective. Not necessarily Man United games. Most weeks, I find an excuse to watch at least a bit of the United game live. I'll obviously watch the highlights back, but that doesn't mean that I would have superior knowledge to, you know, to be honest, Joe public at that point, or at least certainly um, some random member of FPL Twitter who watches more football than your average member of Joe public. So from that perspective, I don't find that I suffer from that particular curse of knowledge whatsoever. And people definitely wouldn't come to me asking me any questions about Manchester United. I'm maybe I don't come across tribal enough um, on Twitter ever uh, to for people to even necessarily know that I'm a United fan unless they're a podcast listener, for example, uh, if Ireland qualified for a major tournament, I'd expect to have much bigger problems with people coming to me for Euro fantasy looking for their bargain basement center back or something for their uh, FPL team in that, but uh, that probably won't happen for uh, a generation, so at least that means that I'll probably never have that problem.
2: Hey, fair enough, fair enough. I mean, I mean, obviously, there's um, a sense that. Anthony say everybody has an opinion in United. Adam, you say there's a lot of Arsenal fans. And Lucy said you you seem to be kind of obviously sought after for your kind of in-depth knowledge of a particular issue. So I guess, again, it's one of these sort of sliding scales of knowledge. And obviously, I mean, Lucy reflects some frustration of being asked questions from people who know nothing. Um, But just to move us on, does this work in the other way too like do you see people saying stuff like you know you see people making logical links between what could happen with a player or how something could change how you could set up which works on a surface level you know logically that that makes sense but you know in reality that that doesn't work i mean you've obviously got that weekly eye test versus you know josephine blogs um who watches a team one week and then has her own half-assed musings on the divine like is that kind of something that you see that you kind of see people kind of writing their own theories on Saints about knowing anything about Saints and does that rankle?
1: Yeah, that, that rankles pretty hard. Um, particularly the people that don't seem to watch us or know a lot about us but are very sure that they know better than I do. And I don't know if it's gender related. It could be. Um, but there are quite a few people that tell me stuff about my team that I know to be definitively wrong. Um, so, for example, this week, There was the rumour that um, Southampton might be one of three teams going after Nico Williams uh, from Liverpool, to which I said was probably quite unlikely from us, um, given that Liverpool allegedly want 10 million. We don't have any money at all, um, and they're unlikely to to pay pay that for you know um, a backup right back. to which I said, I was told that apparently it's exactly the same as the time we bought Carwalk Walker but it's not because we had him on loan and um, we really needed a right back at that time. You know, that kind of thing where people tell me that, you know, things are not as I see them. I don't mind obviously being wrong. I am sometimes wrong. But if, if you're going to tell me I'm wrong, you're going to have to come up with a reason as to why I'm wrong, which is based on more than just a kind of surface level judgment. Um, I don't take that particularly well. It's a little bit awkward. Um, I I do, on the other hand, enjoy talking to people who kind of want to get into the the nuts and bolts of saints. I don't know why you would as a neutral, but you know those <laughs> that are brave enough to do so, I, I fully welcome. Um, and there are lots of people that also, given my cynicism, are, are quite good at counselling me. So they might bring stats up or kind of things they've noticed in a one-off game that's been on television for example and say oh I thought x was really good or I thought the way you were doing this was really good um and that often kind of particularly if the result hasn't gone the way I'd hoped that kind of I find that a kind of productive thing that kind of levels out maybe some of the kind of emotional engagement that I was talking about um and kind of kind of balances it back off again mm-hmm. um so yeah I think I'm not a massive, I'm quite a stats based FPL player, but I'm probably not much of a stats based consumer of football from a kind of Saints perspective. So having those kinds of conversations um, is is kind of a a more positive thing um, that I probably wouldn't get outside of the FPL community. Excellent. So
2: some sort of blessing there. One quick question before I move on to the other two. Would you rather be asked the same question over and over again or have to see other people's bad answers to said question, but you've never asked it ever again yourself?
1: Um, The bad question, I think.
2: So you, you'd prefer to see other people's half assed musings on something that you know a lot about um, yeah. rather than being asked the same question over and over again.
1: Yeah, I just feel like I can at least, you know, I don't want to sound like a dick and say put someone right, but it's basically that. Um. I feel like I can you know educate someone or at least kind of show my thoughts on something in a productive way which you know might might make them think differently as opposed to the millions of questions where I pretty much just quote tweet myself which you know is more of an admin thing than anything so yeah not so much
2: okay okay so you prefer to have to Deal with bad takes rather than be asked the same questions. Interesting, interesting. Because both both kind of sides uh, came up. Assuming that annoying. the bad takes <laughs>
1: aren't, assuming there aren't as many bad takes as there are questions.
2: Okay, no, it certainly makes sense. I mean, Adam, we often speak about what happens in uh, in Arsenal world, but um, obviously, kind of a few musings and laughing at the latest transfer link. and We all know we're going to end up giving a three year contract to thirty five year old. Um, I mean, you often send me stuff or we'll see stuff on Twitter. You're like, oh my God, where's that come from? Or what's going on? I mean, do you share a loose sense of frustration sometimes when you see kind of people say stuff and you're like, oh, that's not true at all?
3: Yeah, and I think this could just be me being protective of Arsenal, but I feel like at least in sort of maybe it's FPL Twitter specific, maybe it happens in football Twitter as well, I feel like a lot of people like Arsenal doing badly and kind of like to bring up the old stereotypes. I feel like quite a lot of people have the old crutch of, oh, Arsenal can't defend um, all that kind of stuff. And so if I say, oh, no, actually, Arsenal have improved defensively recently, they will try to kind of say, oh, no, Arsenal are brittle, Arsenal are weak, which to a certain extent we are. But I do feel like sometimes people enjoy Arsenal doing badly. So I think I'm quite used to negative external takes that are, at least in my perception, overly harsh, if not necessarily entirely wrong. And then from the other perspective, because there are so many Arsenal fans on Twitter, I think you're just bound to get more, um, more hysteria, more over-emotive opinions and
0: reactions. So, uh, so I'm equally used to that, really. It's an interesting one because maybe my experience is very different again and this kind of just feeds into the type of united fan that I am in general but also the fact that united is so well supported and there are so much you know there are so many more extreme degrees of fandom that exist within man united beyond where I am which means that maybe I'm kind of exposed to a slightly different situation and that what frustrates me an awful lot is when I express an opinion on another top 6 team let's just pick liverpool for example or man city And I might not necessarily be positive about them. And then inevitably someone comes into the comments, oh, typical from a Man United fan. And I'm just, ah, no, like, please. Like, I'm really uh, coming here as objectively as possible. The fact that I'm a Man United fan doesn't come into this. You know, sometimes I'll just have the odd little, like, you know, jab and twist the knife at Arsenal, actually, in particular. But that's just me kind of just having a little bit of fun. But for the most part, when I express any sort of opinions on any teams, my Biases would not come into it from that perspective. The Irish bias does come into things from time to time because I definitely highlight you Irish players in a way that I wouldn't just a random one, but the United thing never comes into it. So I find that quite frustrating when Trump tries to get me for that. What I also maybe find kind of annoying in this broad stream of you know the conversation is blindly positive Man United fans. That's it, it's really annoying that it's just like and maybe it's the function of being in a society where. Any sort of disagreement or disapproval is seen as some sort of betrayal of the herd. These United fans find the need to kind of go beyond any type of reality with how positive they might be about ex-United fan. You know, it's like Dan James, the second coming. You know, he's a great player. Like, absolutely, don't get me wrong, but he's not necessarily FPL gold by any means so far in his United career. I hope he is, but it hasn't happened yet. But then you will always find a segment of... Twitter who are Man United fans bigging up a player like a, a Dan James or if Juan Mata got a run in the team it would have been him in years gone by or it could be the fa- you know, this idea that we should double up on the United defence because they might have got one or two clean sheets and you're kind of thinking okay like maybe temper things a little bit because it might not be as good as that and there's an awful lot of that kind of feeds into United fan FPL Twitter that maybe wouldn't be as pervasive in other ones just because there's just so many Man United fans
1: I don't want to sound mad but there are genuinely blindly optimistic Saints fans to the point where we can be on the verge of relegation and they'll be like, well, at least we'll be really competitive in the championship. (laughs) I don't even know what you say to that. Sorry, carry on. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Always look on the bright side of life, indeed. Um, no, that's definitely an interesting spectrum there. Um, and I just wonder, you know, if there is a kind of a golden mean for knowledge mm-hmm. about a team for FPL purposes from that perspective. So, I mean, we used to do a team by team now, on the spot. I think Lucy, you came on, that was the first time you ever came on, wasn't it? We did this, you did like a mini section on Southampton, um, a couple of years ago, and we used to do that. And we're not going to do this year due to time, and also it's less useful, I've come to realize, but anyway. Um, but, but you know when it comes to team related stuff, I'll, you know, ask you guys for help. And obviously um, Planet FPL have got their correspondence thing. I know you're the Arsenal man Adam. And when we're looking at kind of teams, I guess from a start of season point of view or during the season, we're obviously going to do our research. We're going to try to stay away from stereotyping and stuff like that. Um but we'll never obviously get to the understanding of a fan watching week in, week out. And I guess the whole question that this brings up is um what level of understanding do you guys think is required to give a decent enough barometer of a team and subsequently their FPL prospects? Because I'm never going to know the depth of information that you guys do, but at what point have I got enough to go on, as it were? Um, Adam, what do you reckon to that?
3: I think it's um, something I've sort of learned as I started out uh, having an actual job people talk about your knowledge being T-shaped. So you're, if you have um, knowledge in a very specific area, but it's also equally as important to make sure you have like the top of the T so you can cover a kind of broad spectrum of. if we're talking about FPL clubs. I think there's no use in me knowing who uh, Arsenal's sort of third-choice youth right-back is if I don't know the starting striker for Leicester. Um, so I think there's definitely a fine balance. And I think also then that plays into the emotive side. It's important not to immediately think that every player from arrival of Arsenal is terrible. Um, and it's equally important not to think every player who plays for Arsenal is excellent because more often than not, they aren't. Otherwise, they wouldn't be playing for Arsenal. Um, so yeah, I think that's the kind of balance I try and strike. I like to think I have... A decent amount of knowledge um, on sort of the playing qualities and the playing styles of Arsenal players and as a club Um, I I obviously don't have as good a knowledge as fans of other clubs on their respective players and styles but I'm not going to go around recommending them willy-nilly like some people say I do with Arsenal players Um, I think it's important to know how much you
0: know and know where your where your strengths and weaknesses lie in terms of knowledge. I was thinking about this from a United perspective and it, it, it's very hard for me to necessarily come in with some sort of golden mean for knowledge um, because I, I don't think I reach it when it comes to United because I feel like there's a such a huge number of people who watch 90 minutes every single week that I feel like they probably come with that golden mean of Man United knowledge uh, in a way that I don't from an FPL perspective. I just feel like the ceiling is very high and I am you know I'm, I'm somewhat off the floor on a stepladder but I'm just nowhere near kind of the mean to uh, reach that point but as Adam kind of gets up it, it is watertight it's important to have watertight knowledge of all teams anyway and the likes of Reddit and Twitter and uh, tweeting really helpful people like Adam and Lucy and yourself Tom about different teams means that that can be supplemented quite easily be interested to hear Lucy what your thoughts is maybe on that kind of Far arc of the uh, in that spectrum that Tom was talking about between FPL and your team. Do you think that golden mean exists, and where is it?
1: Um, I probably have a lot of useless Southampton knowledge. Um, that doesn't really bother me because I feel like my motivations for having Southampton knowledge is are completely different to why I have knowledge on other teams. So I'm I'm kind of interested in teams purely for kind of not purely for the FPL benefit but but mostly for the FPL benefit. Um, I don't find that any of my kind of FPL thoughts dominate when I kind of watch the hunting games. Um, that's not really what I'm kind of thinking about and it's more of a kind of retrospective thing. So I'm very rarely kind of watching a player thinking, oh, they they'd be quite good in FPL or Saints have a weakness in this wing that would be good for FBL to note um that kind of thing I I kind of tend not to do so I guess it comes back to that thing about your kind of emotional engagement with with your club and um kind of what your motivations are um so yeah I probably carry way too much weight in terms of Saints knowledge um in terms of knowledge of other teams I think there's an importance in being selective about the knowledge you pick up Um, and kind of looking for knowledge rather than waiting for knowledge to be kind of spoon-fed to you because I find a lot of threads from um, fans aren't necessarily the kind of information that I'm interested in or information that I find useful. I think also in a Twitter context, um, I think you need to be careful about um, fans that kind of whip up Twitter storms around their own players. Um, So there's quite a common pattern, I think, of accounts who support a team? Perhaps kind of doing threads on those teams, um, kind of you know, really generating a buzz about those those players, and then you can get sucked into that other kind of Twitter phenomenon of of the kind of the kind of on trend pick um,
2: herd mentality, the, the group thing, yeah, yeah,
1: the group think. So I think that all bleeds into the same thing, and again, that's just something to be very wary of. Um, as I kind of mentioned before, threads from a fan about a team unless they're kind of statistically based or they're showing me something kind of slightly different about a setup or, you know, tactics and formation and things like that, uh, if it's picking out individuals, then I, I'm, I tend to be quite quite cynical about that kind of thing. And, and that's the kind of area where I'd urge caution, I think. Um, so I think having conversations with people um, who are fans is, is a far more kind of productive way of... Of kind of filling in the gaps that I have in my own personal knowledge and then kind of supplementing the kind of other research that I might do um so yeah I don't think that I probably have the the optimal optimum um knowledge but it's just kind of how it's kind of organically gone as a result of my of my fandom I suppose
2: yeah I think I'll often just have a look myself um be it through hopefully i've been able to do some eye tests but you never know these days but um hopefully i've at least had a look at some data beforehand or read up um to some extent on the athletic or some other sort of source um just to try to understand kind of the end and outs and then i'll check with people like yourself to try to get what's going on and um, but i think there is one kind of thing there about fan subjectivity and how we can cut through it to some extent as well um i was just thinking about you know the Lindstram case from a couple of years ago, naming no names, but many Sheffield United fans told FPL managers they didn't understand her, what Wilder's plan was and then to be straight out of the team as soon as X, Y and Z were fit. Cheers, lads. Or maybe it's the Leeds fans, for example, again, naming no names, who had Leeds as a top six defence at the start of last season. That went well. And Aston Villa fans who, for some reason, think that if they're doing okay, they're going to qualify for the Champions League and maybe win the whole thing. There is a lot of fan optimism which I can completely understand, but how do we cut through that sense of what subjectivity? I guess how do we assess the provenance of what someone someone's saying um especially when it comes to kind of recommendations they're making or whether or how much you can take from that when you're trying to be um, make FPL decisions um i mean um you guys have said you know about diluting advice maybe people think you're not coming at it from a fan's uh, from a fan bias but I'm sure that's not going to be for everybody so how can we cut through this subjectivity, Anthony I mean what do you do in that regard
0: so I think when it comes to that question Tom maybe a bit like you said earlier I find first of all that before I talk to anybody who might be a better more knowledgeable person on a given team I try to do my own research so I'll go on something like Scouter Hub and use some of the tables to put together some of my own data to put some decisions together I look at stuff like The Athletic, where they have obviously got uh, correspondents from every club who do pretty good in-depth articles and some of the statistics articles that look at kind of the broader Premier League picture. Try and bring those together to have some semblance of my own research done. I, I then engage a little bit with maybe threads that I see on Twitter throughout the week um, or posts on Reddit that might have been very heavily upvoted. And between all that, I do my best to, at the end of the day, come to my own decision and cut through the fan subjectivity i don't feel i am able to fully overcome that when it comes to man united because at the end of the day i just have that slight eye test thing having watched them where i just feel more pessimistic about them that doesn't seem to affect me with other clubs um you know if if a man city fan tells me that x city player isn't playing well What I see with my own eyes in the games that I watch that they are. I'll just override whatever they said and I'll cut through it. Whereas I wouldn't necessarily do that with Man United. I just find that maybe there's some sort of kind of inferiority complex that I feel, oh, the others must know better. I can't do it. No, and I don't believe in them myself anyway, so I won't pick them. So to differing extents, I can cut through the fan subjectivity. It isn't necessarily something I've mastered, but I think I'm getting somewhat better at and guys like do I sound daft the way I'm talking about that am I coming at this from the perspective of someone who's not managed to fully reconcile FPL and fandom or is this something that you could relate to maybe Adam I think um it helps a lot
3: like you say knowing the source of the information so for example it's it can be quite difficult on Twitter but if you know a certain person tends to be quite dogmatic in the way they approach football or the way they approach FPL when you see them tripled up on a team's defence if they're a fan of that team as well you think okay well that's sort of two things feeding into that decision there maybe I need to go somewhere else to get a more objective view so I think sort of sourcing your information is is so important and knowing the type of fan and perhaps also the type of FPL player that that person is 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 really important and to sort of take it away from FPL a little bit what I found quite interesting with the uh, European Championships fantasy is I haven't absorbed any Euro fantasy content at all so everything I learned about teams in the build-up to it was from pure football sources and I think trying to apply that to a fantasy style game is is really interesting it's not something I'd be able to do just because of the sort of circles I run in um but it gave me a completely different view on how to analyze a player and look at the price and think okay well x person is saying this player's had a really good season for Juventus and Serie A are they justified with that price tag in the Euros and I think um Doing something similar for the Premier League, like I say, for myself, wouldn't be possible, but I think there are certainly benefits to sourcing non FPL fan content.
1: I think actually the example of the Euros probably kind of partly kind of summarizes my view in the sense that I don't like being dependent, completely dependent on other people's content. Mm. So, in many ways, I like to be able to kind of form views or kind of perceptions that I then kind of verify against other people rather than you know using them to purely form my opinions um which is probably why I didn't play the Euros because it got a couple of days before the start and I kind of looked around Twitter and I was like honestly I don't know enough about any of these teams to kind of well you know I know enough about kind of Germany and France but not enough you know about Slovakia for example um to to feel kind of comfortable and I think a lot of the way I engage with fans of other teams on Twitter is kind of, as I was saying, more of a kind of verification um, to kind of say, you know, I've watched this game or, you know, the last couple of games, I have looked at the stats, my perception is X. Do you think that seems like a valid one? What are your kind of views on that? Um, That would be kind of the way I would use. Use as a... (laughs) <laughs> a problematic word um that would be the kind of way I'd um employ mm. people on Twitter um <laughs> rather than as a kind service of, <laughs> <laughs> rather than trying to um yeah use them as the kind of the kind of source of knowledge as the kind of you know the center of it um I don't know if that's just because of the person I am and the kind of personality I am in the sense that I'm kind of instinctively quite cautious and like to be able to to check things like that um but that's kind of how I see fans um I definitely think Adam's right in the sense that you need to have to a certain extent a grip on what kind of fan they are even if they are perhaps an overly positive or an overly pessimistic fan you can kind of use that to kind of moderate the input they're giving you so you can kind of say well they've they were probably a little cool on that but maybe that's Kind of who they are like if you ask me about saints fan uh, about a saints player i would probably tell you something far more pessimistic than is probably worthy so um yeah i think it's about that kind of um awareness of who you're talking to and and how you use it that that's kind of important because i think there is a lot of valuable information and and far more than i can personally source um but it's just about knowing how to use it i think hmm.
2: That's no, certainly interesting. I mean the only other, the other thing I want to cover off before we kind of move towards the final bit is just reflective um, sort of opinion. So you've also got opinion in your own clubs, and I think that's kind of one thing. But what about reflective opinion of rivals? So, for example, Lucy, could you ever be objective about Portsmouth players if they're in the Premier League? Like, could you? Would you be able to kind of? Give a a non-biased view of how good they are. Would you kind of be the sort of person? I'm sure you wouldn't be, but would there be a part of you that kind of thinks, "Oh no, I I wouldn't look at them just because of the depth of my emotional attachment to my team"? There.
1: Um, I mean, it's it's a pretty wild hypothetical. The idea of Portsmouth being in the Premier League. I mean, my my mind is is just stretched by the concept. Although I am grateful, (laughs) I am grateful that you didn't say Bournemouth. Uh, because that's not a Derby. Yeah,
2: it feels like um, a, a very confected one, that one, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I don't think it would stop me. Um I it Portsmouth are actually an area where I am pretty irrational. Um, but I would like to think that it wouldn't be enough. I can't get my head around, and I, I appreciate this is coming from outside the top six. I cannot get my head around people, you know, like Arsenal fans who won't have Spurs players or you know, Man United fans who won't have Liverpool players. I just, my brain can't compute why you would sabotage your team in that way, um, just in the interests of of rivalry. Um, but no, I don't think I don't think I have a problem with as we kind of before separating yeah. my emotional involvement in Saints and my you know therefore hatred of Portsmouth um from Probably FPL, from FPL.
2: Okay. Um, Adam, obviously, you know, you have Kane a lot during the course of the season and things like that and some too. I guess it's um, not really something that's figured too much in your uh, in your thinking uh, or at least in your assessment of Spurs players.
3: No, n- not really. Like I can sort of joke about how Kane has cheese for ankles all I like and how Eric Dyer has a head like an Easter Island statue. If they're if they're sort of good FPL options, I tend not to really put uh, put my negative emotions towards them as uh, Spurs players. Uh, that doesn't really factor into the equation at all, really. No,
2: yeah, fair enough. And I think obviously for us, it doesn't it doesn't really pay attention. and Anthony's obviously not going to start a disparaging Man City players who's United fan because that's never going to happen. It's not only a good thing for FPL in, reasons. In, in-
0: in fairness, I would say that the rivalry of my childhood was with Arsenal and it certainly hasn't been you know, a problem that has overtaken me now and Liverpool will be, I would still see as United's traditional rivals. Um, I couldn't, having never really, I've been to Manchester twice to see matches, but like I have nothing to do with Manchester. So I can't get into the local derby element of it. Whereas with at least the United-Liverpool the geography doesn't necessarily come into it but you know history comes into it and so I can kind of get behind that rivalry but nowhere near to the extent that I'd be not getting Liverpool players into my squad as a consequence or anything like it no absolutely not I'd, I'd captain Liverpool player against United if I thought it was going to do my FPL team some good
2: cool so it's been a very kind of twisting and turning discussion i think that kind of reflects the subject matter because it's one of those which is quite hard to pin down this sort of emotional attachment and how that impacts you as an fpl manager i think the final question really is an overarching one as well to what extent is a fan's view useful i think that uh, what Lisa said earlier on about uh, there being very high expectations about about what a fan can tell you um but mostly being about overview stuff rather than being specifics and details definitely chime with me. And the idea of them fans kind of working as a good sounding board is something that I have written down, which you guys have all echoed because, I mean, maybe it's not someone's trusting single handedly um, Boring as it sounds, we'd always advocate doing our own research here at WCA. Um, but some fans are always going to be pushing what's best for their club rather than understanding kind of the wider implications um, for what can be good from an FPL perspective, that uh, and others aren't. And it is just about sort of just, I guess, moving the synthesizing together what views that are out there as well as your own to come to your own conclusions which is incredibly boring um, but it comes back to that sliding scale thing as always uh, when it comes to teams players and that sliding scale of knowledge where if I know less about a team or a player I'm always going to lend a bit more credence to what a fan has to say um, than if I know quite a lot about the team as a top six team am um, I going to kind of probably pay less attention to what the fans have to say but always weigh up against the provenance uh, what do you guys think about that then as a final sort of question um to what extent is a fan's view useful to you as an NFL manager Adam
3: I sort of just echo really what you said there if if I don't know a lot about a team or I feel particularly weak on a certain players match up against an opponent I'm more likely to sort of lean into the fan opinion but if I if I feel pretty well founded in my opinion of how X team are playing or how I think they'll do over the next five games, I I probably won't even necessarily seek out much fan opinion of that club. I think I'd I always prefer to sort of make my own mistakes, if that makes sense, than um, than sort of regret trusting someone else and uh, and then yeah be be left in a decision where not only did I not back my own opinion, but it's then ended up backfiring on me. So, yeah, that's sort of how I look on it.
1: Kind of echoing what Adam said about wanting to make your own mistakes, I would rather make the judgment myself and maybe maybe think to myself, oh, I probably should have asked someone um, after the event than to kind of put too much faith in um, a kind of fan's opinion, especially if it kind of pushed against my own perceptions of that team. Um as I said before, I think they are, fans are useful, but I think it's about kind of A, knowing who you're talking to, and B, using their knowledge in a way which supplements what you do rather than completely replaces it or kind of runs counter to it. Um, so, yeah, I think there is use, but it, it's just about being clear about how you're going to do it and also having a kind of, kind of principle about how you do it on a kind of consistent level so that you're kind of you've kind of been able to temper that into your own strategy kind of over a season as well
0: I think I'd be pretty much the same as you guys in that at the end of the day it's all about personal responsibility with managing my own FPL team and I'd rather make my own decisions and so I'll only really get in touch with somebody if I really just can't quite understand like what exactly is going on with the situation. You know, I want to look at the hard stats of performance, but I don't necessarily want to go into the ins and the outs of, you know, which Arsenal centre-back is currently in vogue. I'll just, you know, I'll just ask someone, and then I know which players to look at more myself. And that's kind of where I can retake over personal responsibility again. But maybe all of us are, representing a certain philosophy when it comes to what it is we see in fpl management which is this idea that it is our team that represents our judgments at the end of the day whereas not all fpl managers would share that and they might just be you know happy to we've talked a bit a little bit about teams that are based on other people's teams on this on these summer specials and this idea that you know people just want to just copy whoever it is that's been successful year in year out teams in order to win their work leagues and so for them It isn't really about making their own decisions. It's about making decisions that get them to an end goal. And so I can understand why those people might come at how they use fans' views from a different perspective. But for all of us, we all very much espouse that same personal responsibility view.
2: Oh, there we go fans perhaps as a knowledge source a service for Lucy to use um, or at least some a way in which we can all um, access specific information to be integrated in, our, in the own research that we've done I think that nicely rounds off this podcast and um, just say thank you very much to our guests um, Adam 35 who your fourth appearance now I'm guessing that this is in your top four podcast experiences thus far in your career
3: I mean it's it's my third appearance, and I mean, at least you sort of got my name right this time. I'm in the <laughs> running order, but, uh, but yeah, no, thanks for having me on, guys.
2: I'm sure it was four. No, you right. Maybe you are right. It's three. Um, and uh, Lucy, thanks so much for coming on. This has been a pleasure as always.
1: Thanks very much for having me on. I'm pretty sure that I've put most people off interacting with me for various reasons, so I look forward <laughs> to not talking to them.
2: Don't worry, I do, I do this every week and some, for some reason people do come back and listen, but yeah. maybe that's why they don't interact with me on Twitter as much anymore.
1: Maybe they
0: like it.
2: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, of punishment.
0: Yeah, so thanks very much, Lucy. Looking forward to messaging you in pre-season about uh, Ings or Adams. Which one should it be? Please tell me.
1: Neither. <laughs> They're both overpriced. Avoid.
0: <laughs> Great. <laughs> that's that solved. And thanks so much for listening everyone we were who got the assist don't forget to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already this is a summer special podcast not the usual fare that we would be coming with game week in game week out and this was recorded in the summer of course prior to the 2021-22 season so if you did enjoy this and want to hear us more as the season progresses and into pre-season we have a pretty good program lined up for you please do subscribe
2: one other thing the fpl london summer meetup 24 7 saturday So make sure that you get yourself down there. It's the Editors Tap, Professor Lane, London. Um, If you can make it do. um, we'll be there for 3pm onwards, which will be a really amazing event. We're doing that with Planet FPL and also the guys from surgery. And we cannot wait for the day. So definitely try to come along to that if you can. Really, really looking forward to it. Thanks for listening. Next week, it's data analytics in FPL. Hope you enjoyed. And in the meantime, we hope to assist your understanding of the relationship between fandom and FPL. Speak very, very soon. Goodbye.